Chapter Ten of The Temptation of Saint Anthony by Gustav Flaubert, translated by Lafcadio Hearn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tony Addison. But upon the other side of the Nile, Antony beholds a woman standing in the midst of the desert. She retains in her hand the lower part of a long black veil that hides all her face, supporting with her left arm a little child to whom she is giving suck. A great ape crouches down in the sand beside her. She uplifts her head toward heaven, and in spite of the great distance, her voice is distinctly heard. Isis. O Neith, beginning of all things, Amon, Lord of Eternity, Ptah, Demi-Ergos, Thoth, his intelligence, Gods of the Amenthi, Particular triads of the Nomes, Falcons in the azure of heaven, Sphinxes before the temples, ibises perched between the horns of oxen planets constellations shore murmurs of the wind gleams of the light tell me where i may find osiris i have sought him in all the canals and all the lakes i further yet even to phoenician Byblos anubis with ears pricked up leaped about me and yelped and thrust his muzzle searchingly into the tufts of the tamarinds thanks good cynocephalus thanks to thee she gives the ape two or three friendly little taps upon the head hideous typhon the red-haired slew him tore him in pieces we have found all his members, but I have not that which rendered me fecund. She utters wild lamentations. Antony is filled with fury. He casts stones at her, reviles her. Be gone, thou shameless one, be gone! Hilarion, nay, respect her. Her religion was the faith of thy fathers thou didst wear her amulets when thou wert a child in the cradle isis in the summers of long ago the inundation drove the impure beasts into the desert the dikes were opened the boats dashed against each other the panting earth drank the river with the intoxication of joy then o oh god with the horns of the bull thou didst lie upon my breast and then was heard the lowings of the eternal cow the seasons of sowing and reaping of threshing and of vintage followed each other in regular order with the years in the eternal purity of the nights broad stars beamed and glowed the days were bathed in never varying splendour like a royal couple, the sun and the moon 
appeared simultaneously at either end of the horizon then did we both reign above a sublimer world twin monarchs wedded within the womb of eternity he bearing a concupa-headed sceptre i the sceptre that is tipped with a lotus flower both of us erect with hands joined and the crumblings of empires affected not our attitude egypt extended below us monumental and awful long shaped like the corridor of a temple with obelisks on the right pyramids on the left and its labyrinth in the midst and everywhere were avenues of monsters forests of columns massive pylons flanking gates summit crowned with the mysterious globe the globe of the world between two wings the animals of her zodiac also existed in her pasture lands and filled her mysterious writing with their forms and colours divided into twelve regions as the year is divided into twelve months each month each day also having its own god she reproduced the immutable order of heaven and man even in dying changed not his face but saturated with perfumes invulnerable to decay he lay down to sleep for three thousand years in another and silent egypt and that egypt vaster than the egypt of the living extended beneath the earth thither one descended by dark stairways leading into halls where were represented the joys of the good the tortures of the wicked all that passes in the third and invisible world ranged along the wall the dead in their painted coffins awaited their turn and the soul exempted from migrations continued its heavy slumber until the awakening into a new life nevertheless osiris sometimes came to see me and by his ghost i became the mother of hippocrates she contemplates the child ay it is he those are his eyes those are his locks plaited into ram horns thou shalt recommence his works we shall bloom again like the lotus i am still the great isis none has yet lifted my veil my fruit is the sun sun of springtime clouds now obscure thy face the breath of typhon devours the pyramids but a little while ago i beheld the sphinx flee away he was galloping like a jackal i look for my priests my priests clad in mantles of linen with their great harps and bearing a mysterious bark adorned with silver pateras there are no more festivals upon the lakes no more illuminations in my delta no more cups of milk at philae apis has long ceased to reappear egypt egypt thy great motionless gods have their shoulders already whitened by the dung of birds and the wind that passes over the desert rolls with it and the ashes of thy dead anubis 
guardian of ghosts, abandon me not. The Cynocephalos has vanished, she shakes her child. But what ails thee? Thy hands are cold, thy head droops. Harpocrates expires. Then she cries aloud, with a cry so piercing, funereal, heart-rending, that Antony answers it with another cry, extending his arms as to support her. She is no longer there. He lowers his face, overwhelmed by shame. All that he has seen becomes confused within his mind. It is like the bewilderment of travel, the illness of drunkenness. He wishes to hate, but a vague and vast pity fills his heart. He begins to weep, and weeps abundantly. Hilarion. What makes thee sorrowful? Antony, after having long sought within himself for a reply. I think of all the souls that have been lost through these false gods. Hilarion. Dost thou not think that they, sometimes, bear much resemblance to the true? Antony, that is but a device of the devil to seduce the faithful more easily. He attacks the strong through the mind, the weak through the flesh. Hilarion, but luxury, in its greatest fury, has all the disinterestedness of penitence. The frenzied love of the body accelerates the destruction thereof, and proclaims the extent of the impossible by the exposition of the body's weakness. Antony, what signifies that to me? My heart sickens with disgust of these beautiful bestial gods, forever busied with carnages and incests. Hilarion, yet I recollect all those things in the scripture which scandalize thee, because thou art unable to comprehend them. So also may these gods conceal under their sinful forms some mighty truth. There are more of them yet to be seen. Look around. Antony, no, no, it is dangerous. Hilarion, but a little while ago thou didst desire to know them. Is it because thy faith might vacillate in the presence of lies? Or what fearest thou? The rocks fronting Antony have become as a mountain. A line of clouds obscures the mountain halfway between summit and base, and above the clouds appears another mountain, enormous or green, unequally hollowed by valleys nestling in its slopes and supporting at its summit in the midst of laurel groves a palace of bronze roofed with tiles of gold and supported by columns having capitals of ivory in the centre of the peristyle jupiter colossal with torso nude holds victory in one hand his thunderbolts in the other and his eagle perched between his feet, rears its head. Juno, seated near him, rolls her large eyes beneath a diadem whence her wind-blown veil escapes like a vapour. 
behind them minerva standing upon a pedestal leans on her spear the skin of the gorgon covers her breast and a linen peplos falls in regular folds to the nails of her toes her glaucous eyes which gleam beneath her visor gaze afar off attentively on the right of the palace the aged neptune bestrides a dolphin beating with its fins a vast azure expanse which may be sea or sky for the perspective of the ocean seems a continuation of the blue ether the two elements are interblended on the other side weird pluto in night-black mantle crowned with diamond tiara and bearing a sceptre of ebony sits in the midst of an islet surrounded by the circumvolutions of the styx and this river of shadow empties itself into the darknesses which form a vast black gulf below the cliff a bottomless abyss mars clad in brass brandishes as in wrath his broad shield and his sword hercules leaning upon his club gazes at him from below apollo his face ablaze with light grasps with outstretched right arm the reins of four white horses urged to a gallop and Ceres, in her ox-drawn chariot, advances toward him with a sickle in her hand. Behind her comes Bacchus, riding in a very low chariot, gently drawn by lynxes, plump and beardless, with vine-leaves garlanding his brow. He passes by, holding in his hand an overflowing cup of wine. Silenus, riding beside him, reels upon his ass. Pan of the pointed ears blows upon his syrinx. The Mimelonaeides beat drums. The Minads strew flowers. The Bacantes turn in the dance with heads thrown back and hair dishevelled. Diana, with tunic tucked up, issues from the wood together with her nymphs at the further end of a cavern vulcan among his cabiri hammers the heated iron here and there the aged rivers leaning recumbent upon green rocks pour water from their urns the muses stand singing in the valleys the hours all of equal stature link hands and mercury passes obliquely upon a rainbow with his caducius winged sandals and winged petasus but at the summit of the stairway of the gods among clouds soft as down from whose turning volutes a rain of roses falls venus anodiomene stands gazing at herself in a mirror her eyes move languorously beneath their slumberous lids she has masses of rich blond hair 
rolling down over her shoulders. Her breasts are small, her waist is slender, her hips curve out like the sweeping curves of a lyre. Her thighs are perfectly rounded, there are dimples about her knees, her feet are delicate, a butterfly hovers near her mouth. The splendor of her body makes a nacreous-tinted halo of bright light about her, while all the rest of Olympus is bathed in a pink dawn, rising gradually to the heights of the blue sky. Antony. Ah, my heart swells. A joy never known before thrills me to the depths of my soul. How beautiful, how beautiful it is! Hilarion. They leaned from the heights of cloud to direct the way of swords. One used to meet them upon the high roads. Men had them in their houses, and this familiarity divinized life. Life's aim was only to be free and beautiful. Nobility of attitude was facilitated by the looseness of garments. The voice of the orator, trained by the sea, rolled its sonorous waves against the porticoes of marble. The Ephebus, anointed with oil, wrestled all naked in the full light of the sun. The holiest of actions was to expose perfection of forms to all. And these men, respected wives, aged men, suppliants, behind the temple of Hercules there was an altar erected to pity. Victims were immolated with flowers wreathed about the fingers of the sacrificer. Even memory was exempted from thoughts of the rottenness of death. Nothing remained but a little pile of ashes, and the soul, mingling with the boundless ether, rose up to God. Bending to whisper in Antony's ear, and they still live. The Emperor Constantine adores Apollo. Thou wilt find the Trinity in Samothracian mysteries, baptism in the religion of Isis, redemption in the faith of Mithra, a martyrdom of a god in the festivals of Bacchus. Proserpine is the virgin. Aristias is Jesus. Antony remains a while with downcast eyes, as if in deep thought, then suddenly repeats aloud the symbol of Jerusalem, as he remembers it, uttering a long sigh between each phrase. I believe in one only God the Father, and in one only Lord, Jesus Christ, the first-born Son of God, who was incarnated and made man, who was crucified and buried, who ascended into heaven, who will come to judge the living and the dead, of whose kingdom there shall be no end, and in one Holy Spirit, and in one baptism of repentance, and in one holy Catholic Church, 
and in the resurrection of the flesh, and in the life everlasting. Immediately the cross becomes loftier and loftier. It pierces the clouds, and casts its shadow upon the heaven of the gods. All grow pale, Olympus shudders, and at its base Antony beholds vast bodies enchained, sustaining the rocks upon their shoulders, giant figures half buried in the deeps of caverns. These are the titans, the giants, the hecatonchires, the cyclops. A voice rises indistinct and awful, like the far roar of leaves, like the voice of forests in time of tempest, like the mighty moaning of the wind among the precipices. We knew these things, we knew them. There must come an end even for the gods. Uranus was mutilated by Saturn, Saturn by Jupiter, and Jupiter himself shall be annihilated, each in his turn, it is destiny. And little by little they sink into the mountain and disappear. Meanwhile the golden tiles of the palace rise and fly away. Jupiter has descended from his throne. At his feet the thunderbolts lie, smoking like burning coals about to expire, and the great eagle bends its neck to pick up its falling feathers. Then I am no longer the master of all things, most holy, most mighty, god of the patriarchs and Greek peoples, ancestor of all the kings, Agamemnon of heaven, eagle of apotheoses, what wind from Erebus has wafted thee to me? Or fleeing from the campus, Martins, dost thou bear me the soul of the last of the emperors? I no longer desire to receive those of men. Let the earth keep them, and let them move upon the level of its baseness. Their hearts are now the hearts of slaves. They forget injuries, forget their ancestors, forget their oaths, and everywhere the folly of crowds, the mediocrity of individuals, the hideousness of races hold sway. He pants with such violence that his sides seem ready to burst asunder. He clenches his hands. Weeping, he be opposite He seizes it. No, no, so long as there shall be a brain enclosing a thought in whatsoever part of the world, so long as there shall exist a mind hating disorder, creating law, so long will the spirit of Jupiter live. But the cup is empty. He turns its edge down over his thumbnail. Not one drop left. When the ambrosia fails, the immortals must indeed depart. The cup drops from his hands, and he leans against a column, feeling himself about to die. Juno, thou shouldst not have had so many amours. Eagle, bull, swan, rain of gold, cloud and flame, thou didst assume all forms, dissipate thy light in all elements, lose thy hair upon all beds, this time the divorce is irrevocable, and our domination, our very existence, dissolved. She passes away in air. Minerva has no longer her spear, and the ravens 
nesting among the sculptures of the friezes, wheel about her, pecking at her helmet. Let me see whether my vessels cleave the bright sea, returning to my three ports. Let me discover why the fields are deserted, and learn what the daughters of Athens are now doing. In the month of Hecatomion, my whole people came to worship me, under the guidance of their magistrates and priests. Then, all in white robes, and wearing chitons of gold, they advanced the long line of virgins, bearing cups, baskets, parasols. Then the three hundred sacrificial oxen, and the old men having green boughs, the soldiers with clashing of armour, the ephebi singing hymns, flute-players, lyre-players, rhapsodists, dancing women, and lastly, attached to the mast of a trireme, mounted upon a wheel, my great veil, embroidered by virgins, who had been nourished in a particular way for a whole year, and when it had been displayed in all the streets, in all the squares, and before the temples, in the midst of the ever-chanting procession, it was borne step by step up the hill of the Acropolis, grazed the Propylaea, and entered the Parthenon. But a strange feebleness comes upon me, me, the industrious one. What, what, not one idea comes to me. Lo, I am trembling more than a woman. She turns, beholds a ruin behind her, utters a cry, and, stricken by a fallen fragment, falls backward upon the ground. Hercules has flung away his lion-skin, and with feet firmly braced, back arched, teeth clenched, he exhausts himself in immeasurable efforts to bear up the mass of crumbling Olympus. I vanquish the Circopes, the Amazons, and the Centaurs. Many were the kings I slew. I broke the horn of the great river Achelous, I cut the mountains asunder, I freed nations from slavery, and I peopled lands that were desolate. I travelled through the countries of Gaul, I traversed the deserts where thirst prevails, I defended the gods from their enemies, and I freed myself from Omphale. But the weight of Olympus is too great for me, my arms grow feebler, I die. He is crushed beneath the ruins. Pluto. It is thy fault, Amphitryonad, wherefore didst thou descend into my empire? The vulture that gnaws, the entrails of Titius lifted its head, the lips of Tantalus were moistened, the wheel of Ixion stopped. Meanwhile the Chires extended their claws to snatch back the escaping ghosts. The Furies tore the serpents of their locks, and Cerberus, fettered by thee with a chain, sounded the death-rattle in his throat, and foamed at all his three mouths. Thou didst leave the gate ajar, others have come. The daylight of men has entered into Tartarus. He sinks into the darkness. Neptune, my trident, can no longer call up the tempests. The monsters that terrified of old lie rotting at the bottom of the sea. Amphitrite, whose white feet tripped lightly over the foam, the green nereids, seen afar off in the horizon, the scaly sirens, who stopped the passing vessels to tell stories, and the ancient tritons, mightily blowing upon their shells, 
all have passed away all is desolate and dead the gaiety of the great sea is no more he vanishes beneath the azure diana clad in black and surrounded by her dogs which have been changed into wolves the freedom of the deep forests once intoxicated me the odours of the wild beasts and the exhalations of the marshes made me as one drunk with joy but the women whose maternity i protected now bring dead children into the world the moon trembles with the incantations of witches desires of violence of immensity seize me fill me i wish to drink poisons to lose myself in vapours in dreams and a passing cloud carries her away mars unhelmed and covered with blood at first i fought alone single-handed i would provoke a whole army by my insults caring nothing for countries or nations demanding battle for the pleasure of carnage alone afterward i had comrades they marched to the sound of flutes in good order with equal step respiring above their bucklers with plumes loftily nodding lances oblique then on rushed to battle with mighty eagle cries war was joyous as a banquet three hundred men strove against all asia but the barbarians are returning by myriads they come by millions ah since numbers and engines and cunning are stronger than valour it were better that i die the death of the brave he kills himself vulcan sponging the sweat from his limbs the world is growing cold the source of heat must be nourished the volcanoes and rivers are flowing metal underground strike harder with full swing of the arms with might and main the kabiri wound themselves with their hammers blind themselves with sparks and groping lose themselves in the darkness ceres standing in her chariot impelled by wheels having wings at their hubs stop stop or oh, it was with good reason that the exclusion of strangers atheists epicureans and christians was commended now the mystery of the basket has been unveiled the sanctuary profaned all is lost she descends a precipitous slope shrieking despairing tearing her hair ah oh, lies lies that era has not been restored to me the voice of brass calls me to the dead this is another tartarus whence there is no return horror the abyss engulfs her bacchus with a frenzied laugh what matters it the archon's wife is my spouse the law itself reels in drunkenness to me the new song the multiplied forms the fire by which my mother was devoured flows in my veins let it burn yet more fiercely even though i perish male and female complacent to all i abandon myself to you bacchantes i abandon myself to you bacchanalians and the vine shall twine herself about the tree trunks howl dance writhe loosen the tiger and the slave rend flesh with ferocious bitings and pan silenus the bacchantes the mimolonaides and the mynads with their serpents torches sable masks cast flowers at each other shake their tympanums strike their thyrsi pelt each other with shells devour grapes 
strangle a goat, and tear Bacchus asunder. Apollo, furiously whipping his coursers, while his blanching locks are falling from his head, I have left far behind me stony Delos, so pure that all now there seems dead, and I must strive to reach Delphi, ere its inspiring vapour be wholly lost. The mule's brows in its laurel groves, the pythoness has wandered away and cannot be found. By a stronger concentration of my power, I will obtain sublime hymns, eternal monuments, and all matter will be penetrated by the vibrations of my cithara. He strikes the strings of the instrument. They burst, lashing his face with their broken ends. He flings the cithara away, and, furiously whipping his quadriga, cries, No, enough of forms, further, higher, to the very summit, to the realm of pure thought. But the horses back, rear, dash the chariot to pieces, entangled by the harness, caught by the fragments of the broken pole, he falls head foremost into the abyss. The sky is darkened. Venus, blue with cold, shivering. Once with my girdle I made all the horizon of Hellas. Her fields glowed with the roses of my cheeks. Her shores were outlined after the fashion of my lips and her mountains, whiter than my doves, pulpitated beneath the hands of the statuaries. My spirit's manifestation was found in the ordinances of the festivals, in the arrangement of coiffures, in the dialogues of philosophers, in the constitution of republics. But I have doted too much upon men. It is love that has dishonoured me. She casts herself back, weeping, this world is abominable. There is no air for me to breathe. O Mercury, inventor of the lyre, conductor of souls, take me away. She places one finger upon her lips, and describing an immense parabola, falls into the abyss. End of chapter 10